0: Morning, everybody. We're going to be in Psalm fifty-one, but if you will turn to Second Samuel eleven. While you're turning, there's a lot of trials that the Lord sends through His people throughout this world. Pray for those people. Brother John Reeves in the hospital right now. He was admitted yesterday. He's doing fine. I talked to him. Ornery as ever. But uh, His enzyme enzyme levels in his blood is a little high, so it's some damage to his heart. And it's descending, so that's good. They kept him uh, for observation. um, Remember him and Kathy as you can. And that congregation up there. Remember my family as well. We've had a trying year and it proves the waters get a little deeper. Second Samuel eleven. And the title of my message is concerning mercy. The First hour, I hope we can. Lord will be with us, and show us something of our conviction of sin individually, <clears throat> and our need of mercy. Cried out of mercy, and what what the product of that is, and then the second hour. Those that the Lord convicts of sin, He sends trials to, and we say, "What are you doing? What, what's God doing to me?" You ever ask that? Like in men rowing in the boat, like I did, I went where you told me to go. I'm giving it all I've got. What are you, what are you doing to me, Lord? What has God done, doing to us? I know what He has done. I know that. I don't know what he's going to do. Other than what he says. How's that going to play out? I hope the Lord be with us both hours. Second Samuel 11, verse 26. This is what inspired David to write Psalm 51. 2 Samuel 11, 26. Uriah, <clears throat> David had saw her bathing. And her husband was good friends with David. He desired her, so he set up Uriah to die. And he saw Bathsheba, and he set up Uriah to die in battle, and he did. It says in verse 26, And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. She loved her husband. She mourned for him. Our love's not much to speak of, is it? And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan. That's the first step on the path of mercy you Are you going to find mercy? Or are going to have to send a Nathan to me? to me? And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, little female lamb, young one, which he had bought and nourished up bottle fed. And it grew up together with him and with his children. And it did eat his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was to him a daughter. What kind of who could what kind of stuff is this? Well I'll touch on it next hour. We'll look at the the ass being provided for, but I can enter into that. For nine years, little over, we had Zoe, didn't we? Y'all met Zoe at Big Yellow Lab. We had to put her down Tuesday. I never had to do that before. That was hard. A man got onto me one time and said, what do you feed her? I said, well, whatever's cheapest at the store. And he said, you can't change her diet up like that. I said, this morning she had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for breakfast that the child, children dropped. And if I ate a steak, she gets the trim and she sits right next to me. I was over at a friend's house one time and I was so used to that dog being next to me. I just about threw food over. They'd <laughs> have thought I was throwing food on their ground. I had compassion towards something that cannot benefit me. Does that sound familiar? If God's had compassion on you, you'll be more compassionate to things that can't have any benefit to you. You see that? That's so, it? I'm just an old dumb dog. I I bark when I ought not bark and I don't bark when I should bark. And he feeds me and takes good care for me and provides for me anyway. This fellow saw himself in this land, didn't he? Verse 4. And there came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock. He didn't take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress it for the wayfaring man that's come unto him. He had to take care of somebody. He had to provide for somebody. He said, I ain't take it out of my own stock. They took it out of the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come. He went and took out one little ewe lamb and killed it for this one he was supposed to be providing for. He didn't provide for it. He had somebody else do it for it. Boy and David got mad. Verse 5 And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Kill him. But before you kill him. <laughs> and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and did and because he had no pity. He didn't put, he didn't put himself in that man's shoes. He didn't walk him out on his shoes. He didn't have any pity on him. He didn't consider him. He didn't know him. He didn't get to know him. He didn't love him. He didn't care for him. It's obvious. Kill him. And Nathan said to David, The Lord sent Nathan to tell him this, right? And now Nathan's going, this is Nathan talking. Nathan's going to give context, Nathan's going to give the explanation of what just happened. Verse 7 And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. If you're going to have any hope standing before a holy God, God's going to have to send a word to your heart saying, you're the man, you're the woman, you're the child. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. they telling you, this, this is you. I've been the man. I see you are the man. You don't see it, and I say it, you're the man. Let me tell you what God said. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. I gave you everything, David, That's what God's telling. Me. Read on in verse in the second part of verse eight. And if thou had if if that had been too little, if that wouldn't have been enough for you, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. What whatever it is. You're mine. I love you. You come to me and ask me. I'll give you whatever you need. Such and such things. What's that? Anything. Whatever's needed. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. the David Ball up and say, well, now, now, I didn't kill him with a sword. Did he justify himself? Did he make excuses? Well, this is what we did five years ago, and, and, and I didn't make that plan. Somebody else made that plan? No. He kept his mouth shut before holy God. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, and it didn't, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in thy sight of the sun for thou didst in secret this is all, this is all these things you thought probably justified the whole thing all this happened in the heart i are not talking about all these physical outward things that happened you did it secretly this was in the heart but I will do this thing before all Israel before the sun and David said unto Nathan I got caught no I have sinned against the Lord. That's on people you can sin against. You can do something mean to me and my family or somebody I love or somebody I know. But you ain't sinning against me. You're sinning against God. David didn't, didn't rebuke and rebuttal and have all these, these, these things in his mouth to cast at, at the prophet that was telling him you're the man. He just shut up and said I've sinned against God. How could he do that? God worked in him. A new creation's being worked with him. This is horrible. That's good news for David. His life's gonna be the sword ain't gonna depart, his son's gonna cry to, to kill him. Yeah, that's right. His health ain't gonna be so, that's right. But God made a covenant with it. This ain't really health and wealth religion, is it? They're saying everybody's my buddy and my brother and my sister and all these Christian folks, and we just get along great. This is God dealing one-on-one with the sinner. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, You're right, you did. And I don't like you. Quit eating lunch with me. No. <laughs> the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Christ came in this world to save sinners, David. You forgot that? you just find out your sinners, all. Again. Again. <laughs> The Lord hath also put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it? Ain't going to be swept under the rug, though, as the Lord may have paid for it, but we still live in this body. How be it? Because by this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. He brought reproach on the gospel and on this church and this people. A child also that is born of thee shall surely die. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. Turn over Psalm 51. Speaking of Psalm 51, an old writer said that this psalm is the sinner's guide and the believer's comfort. That covers everybody. God had not saved you yet. He's going to give you a guide. Not, not a road matter or a plan of action, but this is how it takes place. And if he has worked in you, I pray he saves somebody today. If he has worked in you, this is comfort. Comfort. We'll see five things here. Five things in this psalm. First, a cry for mercy. If there's a heading in your, in your Bible, mine has a heading to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Mourning. That great psalmist of Israel went and wrote a poem about it. And, and it, this song is sung to the, the music of tears. That's the tune that's keyed in. Or pitch, or I don't know those things. That's the that's the melody, isn't it? Psalm fifty-one, verse one. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Mercy, mercy. So many people want pity. I'm just Nathan. I'm just here to tell you this in context so many people want pity they want God to feel sorry for their tremendous sorrow and their tremendous guilt oh I'm so bad maybe God will be indebted to me because he feels sorry for me because I'm such a sinner that's sinful isn't it that's not what he needs David didn't cry out for pity pity won't do you no good though the Lord pities his own pity won't help will it many want justice I just want what's coming to me no, you don't. No, you don't. I pray not. Mercy is what he said. Have mercy upon me, O God. Mercy is what's needed. How much mercy is needed? I need two pounds and seven ounces. No, <laughs> not a little bit. I, I don't need that much. I don't need that much mercy. That's not what he says. Mercy is needed. How much? According to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, in that magnitude, in as much as the Almighty God who delights to show mercy has loving kindness, who is love, that's how much I need. However much I think I need, I need more than that. That's how much I need. Blot out my transgressions. Oh, put them away. Don't cover them up, D- drown them out. Put them away as far as the east is from the west. That's what I need. Mercy. Two, verse 2. Wash me throughly. thoroughly, Not thoroughly. Thoroughly is just a good job. Throughly is all the way through. Outside, inside, never which way. Completely. Totally. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Verse is a plea for mercy. Wash me of my iniquity wash me of my sin there's a need there just crying out to God God be merciful to the sinner secondly there's a confession of iniquity there's a confession of that transgression of sins verse 3 says for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me I've heard people say well I know I don't trust man because I know what's in man I don't trust man because man's like me and I know what's in me Do you get the difference in that? That's the difference between pointing a finger at somebody else and saying mankind's sinful and then saying I'm sinful. Everybody, it's easy to find a fault in your brethren. Uh, hang out with me for 30, 45 seconds. You'll have a, a, a punch list as long as you arm. them. Then with somebody else. Uh, well, they, they need to say, well, everybody does, but me first. That's why he's crying out for this is a confession of iniquity. He said, I acknowledge you. my transgressions, plural. Is that plural in your Bible? And my sin, singular is ever before me. My transgressions, the outward part, right? Plural. That's that's the uh, uh, iniquities. That's the, all the good things we think we do for God. That's all the uh, reading the scripture in vain and having these big old long pre-canned responses It sounds real churchy and all this other good junk. And, and oh, I'm praying for you and doing weird little hands and text messages and, and putting all these big long things up so everybody can see you and praying in public and Titles and, and, and elderships and who's been ordained and who ain't been ordained and just blah, 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 blah and such and such. Just keep on listening. All the good things we think we did and all the bad things we, we know we did and all the bad things we don't know we did. All the good things we don't recognize as bad. And then sin, singular. What I am. My instinct. That's what we use, We understand so well now, don't we? Nature. That's what we are. And they're my transgressions. My sin. Man needs intercession for his transgressions. Yeah, that's so. That ain't salvation. Salvation is you calling out to God for your transgression and your sin, and me calling out for my transgression and my sin, just like David did. Remember, we looked at the oneness Wednesday night? Is that any different for you? Ain't no different from David, is it? It's the same those two men for time's sake I won't have you turn the Lord gave a parable he said two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee the other a publican. he said these things because these people trusted in themselves to be righteous I got this down pat I figured it out I found the right place I know this is where I ought to be this is, this is it because I agree with it he said really? Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men. I he lists a bunch of bad things. But he's giving credit to God, isn't he? God looks on the heart. He says, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess. Y'all too. And the publican, that mafioso, got run a pub, a public house, a bartender, Standing afar off, would not so much lift his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast. Right where the source of the problem was, saying, God, be merciful to me, sinner. Me. My transgressions, my sin. Be merciful to me. Merciful to me. This isn't a confession to the hills. This isn't bemoaning to the night sky. This isn't being in a single vessel out on an open ocean and just talking to some waves or some dolphins or things. It's a confession to the offended party. It's the offender talking to the offendee. Look at verse 4. Psalm 51 4. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy side. Speaking to Almighty God. He's speaking to the offendee. The offender is calling out to the offendee. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear and holy and pure when thou judgest. He's just to condemn. If I stand alone before the Holy God, and he sends me to hell for an attorney, that is right. That's right. I need mercy. Won't deserve it. That's kind of the definition of mercy, isn't it? He's just to condemn. He's holy. We're not. Without confession, there will be no mercy. Without confession of what we are, who we are, individually. Not because somebody else did it for us. Not because mom and daddy go to the right church. There's not personal confession, crying out, this is what I am. We're telling the truth finally. There's no remission of sin. There's no blood applied, is there? We're the sinner. He's the Savior. In Luke 23, it said, Those malefactors they were hanged they railed on him. That one said, If thou be the Christ, save thyself. And the other rebuked him, said, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing we're in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly. For me to hang on a cross is right. For me to bear the wrath of the Almighty God that I offended is right, because I can't be in his presence. but this man <laughs> we received the due reward of our deeds but this man done nothing I mean, he's the holy one and he said Lord remember me when you come into their kingdom and he says verily I say unto thee today shalt thou be with me in paradise remember that prodigal son he came to his father and he said I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight what an apology and am no more worthy to be called thy son I've sinned against God and you happen to be witness to it. First, the seeking of mercy. Second, the reason mercy is needed. Third, here's the root cause of all this sin, all this iniquity, all this transgression. Here's where it really comes from. This is important too. Wildly important. Pay attention. Verse 5. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. This happened way back. At conception, I was shaping in iniquity. And sin did my mother conceive me. That's the stock I came from. I come, they come from good stock. No, they don't. <laughs> Nobody does. We come from Adam, don't we? Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. You want, you look on the heart. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. That's where the work's going to have to do. This ain't from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And corrupt and ruined, it's not just an outward problem alone. The source is all this inward problem. If the outside was just washed, we could just clean up the outside and just sound real good and go to the right places and do the right things. That ain't gonna help us. We got a heart problem, we have, we have a, 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 a issue of blood. It's one thing to say the waters ain't no good, we have to confess that the well's bad, it's ruined. What do you do if the well's bad? You pack up and leave, don't you? You depart from yourself and go and, and cleave to the cross. Well, hope you got. Go to the waters of life. It's hereditary, an issue of blood coursing through our veins, and we need washed through, them. through them. Our nature, born of Adam, is to blame anyone but ourselves. In psychology, they finally come up with this in the 1950s. Who knew, right? An external locus of control is what they call that. I failed the test because the test was hard. I was late to that appointment because of traffic. You put all the all the blame on something else. Is that new? Did they just figure that out, Sigmund Freud or something. That happened with our mommy and daddy. Adam, what's wrong with you? Why'd you eat that? He said, It's that woman you gave me's fault. What does that mean? It's your fault. You gave it to me. Eve? What? It's a serpent's fault. Does that echo through our generation still? Is that sword departed from our house? I hear people that say, I get fired from every job I've got because my boss ain't no good. Maybe you're a rotten employee. You ever think about that? I failed every test because it was too hard. Maybe you didn't study enough. I've been late. I, this week I have. I, I told somebody, I said, everybody says, oh, I'm always running late. I I am not. I'm punctual. In the last week and a half, I have been late to absolutely, if I've showed up at all, I've been late to absolutely everything I was scheduled to be at on time. What do I want to say? I want to blame anything but me. Now, let me tell you, I know this don't mean nothing. I'm always on time. I wasn't right then when I was saying it. huh? I put that dog down. I was crying. I thought I deserved to be put down. And that lady looked at me and I said, I'm not an animal lover I don't think she believed me. (laughs) What about this mercy business? Hmm? We understand that putting dogs down, don't we? We understand about not showing up on time, don't we? We understand about being a lazy employee or finding some excuse not to work and blaming bureaucracy or whatever. That's just worldly things. What about this mercy business? Anything different? Paul said in Romans 9, therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will he harden? Wilt thou say unto me, why did he yet by fault for who resisteth his will? Well, if he didn't draw me, that's his business. You gonna blame God for that? Are you not calling out for mercy? But nay, oh man, who art thou to replyest against God? Shall the thing form say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? That falls right in line with what's, what's he doing to me. We'll look at next hour. Hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? And that cry for mercy I commit sin because I am sin. I need washed throughly in my inward parts. We can convince others with outward walk and outward talk, but not God. He ain't going to pull the wool over his eyes. He looks on the heart. He? So he said back in secret. Samuel said, You did this in secret. I'll look for all Israel. That's what I need, purged. Also, I don't don't know what I don't know. I learned that phrase years ago, and boy, it just resonates with me. I don't know what I don't know. If I don't know something, I don't know that I don't know it, right? I'm not aware. How could I be? And I'm thankful the Lord deals with with me in wise measure. When he shows me my sin, he shows me my need. it's, It's in wise measure. If he showed me totally what it was, I was, I'd I implode. We'd just collapse, wouldn't it? He said in Psalm 90, verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. He knows all. When we see that outward and inward pollution, we cry for mercy all the more. Remember whenever the Lord was washing those disciples, we looked at it a while back in John 13, washing their feet, he came to Peter and Peter said, don't you touch my feet. Do do? Why are you washing my feet? And he said, you don't know what I'm doing, but you're going to know. He said, you'll never wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash thee, thou hast no part with me. And Peter said, Lord, not just my feet. You wash my hands and my head. <laughs> Truly. You wash all of me. And he said, ah, he that's washed, he's not to to wash his feet. But he's ever wet clean. He said, you are clean, Peter. You just need to wash your feet. You just, you just need the dust of today knocked off. You're mine. You're clean. First, we see the seeking of mercy. Second, the reason that mercy is needed. Third, the root cause of all that sin, and iniquity, and transgression. This ain't, this ain't something that happened last week. Long-standing problem. Fourth, here's the cure for sin the source of mercy. Verse 7, Psalm 51, verse 7. Purge me with this and I shall be clean. Mm. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than the snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I won't hear anything else. I, I like the opposite of joy, and I, I like sadness, and I like depression. That's my nature. And if I'm going to hear joy, and I'm going to hear gladness, you will to have to make me hear it. Sometimes when the Lord speaks, he speaks very loudly. There's been some times I thought, you know what, we could do this. We could do that. And I mean, in an international news, something else happened. (laughs) Well, I think that's what we're going to do. The Lord spoke loudly, didn't he? Make me to hear gladness and joy that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. All this pain, all this sorrow. I mean, it feels like down to the marrow. I've just been split wide open. If I see you, I'll rejoice. If I hear that mercy, it's going, oh, thank you. All that pain I went through, all those trials I went through, I'm going to thank you for everything. And we learn that as we get older we will thank you he sits down with us and he says come now let us reason together saith to the Lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as the snow though they be red like crimson they're going to be like wool you reason with the Lord of course not he just speaks the language we can he's compassionate <laughs> the language we can understand and he's compassionate just tender purge me with hyssop what's this mean how can a little be just and justified? He has to purge us with hyssop. You young people. I know you, you old folks heard this a hundred times, but you young people. There's a thing called the rule of first mention. And, and for the most part, it's so. Uh, the first time a word's used in the scriptures or a phrase or something, that's what it means throughout. Okay? Hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. The first to hyssop is just a bunch of like, kind of like wheat or something like that. You bind it together. Of, uh, flour or whatever, grain. Uh, the first time that's mentioned is in Exodus 12 when the Lord gave the Passover and He said, I'm going to go through Egypt and I'm going to kill the firstborn of everything. Unless you go into your home and He, and he gives a whole thing how to do You take the lamb and you don't and you salt with water, you, you roast it and you eat all of it and gird up your loins when you do it. Don't be lazy about it. Get up. <laughs> And, and get ready to run, and uh, and then you're going to go in your home, and you're going to take hyssop. and you're going to put that blood from that lamb on the doorpost, and on the mantle, on the top, and on both sides. And whenever I pass over, I'm going to see that blood of that lamb, and then you're going to live, and your firstborn's going to live. If I don't see the blood, everything's going to die. You think that story was afar from David? He knew exactly what that meant. And biologically, too, they had to hit the blood and water. <laughs> it's a coagulation of vitamin K. You'll learn about all that in science class. It's miraculous. It's, now, any way you cut it, it's just, the diamond's beautiful from any any facet. And he said, I need purge with hyssop. I need blood put on me. That's how this is going to happen. That's secure for all this. I need the blood. I need Christ and him crucified. I need, I need the life of another, the death of another, the, the satisfaction of the law of another, the risen from the grave of another. I have to have him. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than the snow. To so take a bunch of hyssop and you dip it in the blood in the basin and you strike it on the lint on the two side posts with that blood. And nobody leave until the morning, until the sun comes up. Get that for the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood on the lintel on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. That ain't real complicated, is it? Physically. Or, take the blood and put it on the door. <laughs> I need the blood because that's what it pictures it. Christ has to be my all. He has to be my covering. He has to be through me. not just on the outside that's got to soak into the bottom I need a whole new creation we'll say it next hour but there's a fountain where's this blood come from there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood the flood I always got that hung up on that the flood of blood what's that I need mercy according to your loving kindness and your abundance of mercy I need a flood they lose all their guilty stains. That dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I also have a problem with this. Not confusion. Though vile is he, though viler than he. There may I, worse than that thief hanging on a cross, wash all my sins away. Ain't that the oneness? Ain't nothing changed, is it? What about the covering that, that Adam and Eve had to have? Lord slew a lamb, Put a covering on it. That's going to make my broken bones in any trial and any chastening that the Lord sends, Any chiding He gives. Very sweet. Very rejoicing. E'er since by faith I saw the stream the flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my thing. You bought me with your blood and shall be till I die. First, the seeking of mercy. Second, the reason mercy's needed. The root cause of Sin, iniquity, transgression, the cure for sin. That's the source of mercy. Fifthly, the result of the power of God's mercy. Verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You can read all those things the opposite. And that's true too, isn't it? My spirit ain't right within me. I need a new one. Heart's the problem. You've got to give me a clean heart. Blot out all mine iniquities and hide your face from my sins. If you don't blot out all my iniquities, you're going to hide your face. When you see my sins, you're going to hide your face from me. It's one or the other, isn't it? Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then the beg, the pleading, the begging, the pray, the inquiring of the Lord what he's promised he'd do. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He said, "Lo, I'm with you all day. We ask him to stay with us all day. He said it. And I'm going to ask him to do what he said he's going to do. How about you? Why? I need mercy. Oh, your bones start rejoicing. And you get happy. And then what happens? <laughs> He shows us a little bit more of our sin and what we are, and we get down. and then we cry out for mercy, and He's faithful. To show mercy. And we get down. Until it's over. So that's right. That's what's, what the Lord's purposed and the judge of the earth does right, doesn't He? That's pretty good. Mercy. mercy Lord we need it according to your loving kindness according to your abundance Truly. all through us Lord we need this because of what we are you've showed that to us you've revealed what we've done in secret Lord you've showed us in part but we, we, we understand what we are The only thing that can satisfy this is Christ's beloved. And we need purge, Lord, with his through Truly. And don't leave us. These things that you've revealed to your people and you've done and we know are true. Christ has finished the work. Lord, we still petition. We still ask that you're with us always. Thank you for this hour. Lord, forgive us for our wandering and our unbelief and the sin that's just through us thank you for this gospel thank you for our savior our redeemer our king it's because of him we ask you amen